Hey, PSP3 Nation. Welcome to the Peak Sports Performance Podcast, dedicated to helping our family become not only elite athletes, but also elite individuals. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for joining us again on the Peak Sports Performance Podcast. On today's episode, I will be speaking with Dan Lorenz, a local sports rehabilitation specialist. Dan and I met years ago when I was assisting with the Blue Valley Caps Sports Medicine Program and have been great friends since. Dan, thanks for joining us again on the podcast today. Being one of the most influential rehabilitation specialists in the Midwest, I'm honored to have you with us, lending us some of your knowledge. Hey, thanks so much for asking me. I, I really appreciate it. I'm humbled that you thought of me enough to have me on your show and look forward to visiting with you. Excellent. We'll dive right in here. So, of course, we've got athletes at PSP3 that play all kinds of sports. What was your upbringing with sports? I did the same thing, man. Uh, it was a different time, though. You know, we uh, in summer we played baseball, and then when, when that was over and the weather changed, I uh, started playing football. And, you know, when that changed, uh, we put the hockey skates on and played pond hockey and, and uh, played, played basketball and then just repeated the process the following year. So uh, if there was a game to be played, I was all in. And... Um, those were the days, I'll tell you. I had, I had so much fun, and my childhood was awesome, just playing all kinds of different stuff. And if I wasn't doing that, we were on our BMX bikes, tooling through the tooling through the woods and, and uh, killing our time that way. So um, I played anything and everything. Excellent, excellent. We've got a lot of athletes at the program that are interested in the sports medicine field. Can you kind of uh, give me a rundown on how you knew that was the right track for you? You know what, man? Uh, like a lot of like a lot of kids, you know, you have that aspiration of uh, playing uh, playing sports professionally, right? Well, uh, you know, as I say, I was five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing, so I, I I was I was going nowhere fast. But I loved sports so much, and I wanted somehow to be involved. And you know, I was I grew up in the Chicago area, and I was watching a Bears game one day, and somebody got hurt, and I saw the guys go on the field that took care of them, and I'm like, boy, that'd be something I think I might like to do you know i could be around sports on the sideline you know the best seat in the house watching games and i actually uh you can believe it i, I called the bears head athletic trainer at the time <laughs> and i said hey i i'm not kidding i said i was a freshman in high school i said uh you know i would i, I really would like to learn more about what you do and and shockingly he invited me up to Hallis hall which is where the bears practiced at the time wow. uh, to spend a day with him and just to see how um how it would what i thought of it and I did. I went up there, and I was. I was. My, my parents drove me up to up to Lake Forest, is where it is, and uh, and um, it was so awesome to just see what they did. And I was so grateful that they offered to let me come in, and and they gave me a path to get to the NFL. And here's what you should do. And I listened to everything they said. So I did that um, throughout high school. So I definitely wanted to be an athletic trainer. And then, um, like many people that get into the field, um, they had they played sports themselves and had an injury. Uh, and then they went through therapy themselves. Well, I, I was no different. I, I was playing football. I broke my leg uh, junior year of high school. I never got to play it down uh, because it was um, uh, in the uh, really going into week one uh, that it happened. And um, uh, after going through the rehab process with that, I just knew that it was for me. So after seeing what the, the Bears did in the training room and you know, seeing that that's kind of time zero on the field uh, and then going through the rehab part of it, I mean, those two fields were so closely related. So I was like, okay, I want to be an athletic trainer and a physical therapist. And um, that's what I did. And, and I have had so many former patients do the same exact thing going through the therapy themselves. So 
a lot of times sports is a springboard to the profession and I really never never wavered from there. I once I uh, I loved anatomy, I loved physiology, I loved sports, I loved how the body worked and and I knew it was for me and I I never not once changed majors or what I wanted to be. Very nice. Well, that's kind of how it happened to me. I was uh, went into college wanting to be an athletic trainer slash physical therapist just because, like you said, you go through injuries and whatnot, and you see the um, the great things that happen through that as well as the change in the athlete when they go from being on the injured part to being clear and ready to go again. So I can definitely see how that, that, that has a huge draw to a lot of people. And so what steps did you take moving forward from there to become a physical therapist? Yeah, so... Um, uh first thing you have to do is spend time with a PT. So if that's what you want to do, um, there's plenty of really good ones in town um, that would be happy to share their knowledge with you. And, and just on you know, the Blue Valley Caps program, I know a lot of kids locally do that. I mean, they have a sports medicine program. And gosh, what a gift that is. Even if you're into sports medicine, there's just so many things that the kids can uh, get into and kind of test the water, so to speak. So, you know, I would definitely recommend observing and just kind of seeing how people, have, what their day is like, what they go about their job, you know, asking what the best parts are, the worst parts are. You know, um, that, that's one step. The second part is is that when you finally do get the chance, try and volunteer at different atmospheres. You know, I knew I wanted to do sports, but, you know, in order to get PT schools competitive, you know, you have to come in with some good experiences. So they got to see that maybe you've worked at a nursing home or volunteered, you know, um, uh, with with disabled children or, or things of that nature to see that you've kind of had a holistic approach to um, uh, being a physical therapist because they really want you to go into school and, kind of have a more worldly view of it, but you can certainly specialize down the road. So like I said, spend time with people that have done it already or are doing it, and then when you do get the chance, try and um, either get internships or volunteer uh, to, to get that experience. And the bottom line is is that you don't necessarily have to have a job, and even if you volunteer for two hours a week at a place over the course of the summer, over a couple summers, those hours add up pretty quick. So you need to do that, though. It's not just about grades. They want to see that you have good grades and you have experience. Uh, in the field to get into the into the graduate programs, right. Well, I think what was great with the Caps program when I was there was you got to do that shadowing very early uh, in your career or your track, as well as you got to see what wasn't the, always the best parts because everybody always sees the limelight of how cool it is to do this part in this thing, but they don't see what the day to day interaction is, the paperwork, the extra things that people have to do that nobody else really wants to do or knows about. And so I think it's good for you know the internship part of it for kids to see that before they get. You know, head first into something they don't realize what it actually entails. So that's awesome. And so, no question. And, and being, being in, you know, having worked in professional sports, um, you know, whenever you would tell people that I worked, you know, in the NFL and that, you know, when I was in college, I interned with the White Sox. I mean, people's eyes light up and, you know, how cool that is. And yeah, it is. It's really awesome. I mean, they're, you're, like I said, you're in the trenches, you get to know the players, you're on the sidelines or in the dugouts for games and blah, blah, blah. But holy cow, there's a lot of hours too. You know, there's, there's a ton of work, tons of pressure, you know, uh, a lot of other nuances of working in those environments. So, you know, it, that's why I said it's really good to talk to people that are doing it um, so you understand really what you're getting into and if it really is for you or not. Right. Well, and, you know, I both have been in the, the collegiate and professional sports, and I, they have great experiences, bad experiences, all that kind of stuff. What would you say there are the differences that you saw when working in college professional sports versus working in a private setting, mostly with middle school, high school uh, athletes. Gosh, um, you know, in no particular order, there, there's a whole bunch of them, honestly. Um, you know, I think at the elite levels, um, I think understanding that this is their livelihood. Um, this is how many of um, these athletes, you know, feed their families and pay the bills. And 
not just that, but that's their identity. Um, so many of these athletes, if they're not playing their sport, um, they don't feel like they're worthwhile. They're, they're a basketball player. They're not a son, a, a daughter, a brother, a sister, you know, a wife in some cases. You know what I mean? So right. that, that's who they are. So the, the mental aspect of sports and, and, uh, and what that could be, you know, and along those lines, just the pressure that, that, um, athletes feel at those levels. Um, you know, I think another one is, is that, uh, you know, in those environments, a lot of athletes have to play before they're really ready. Um, just due to the timing of injuries, you know, how good of a player they are or how good they are in their sport. Maybe they're, they really need this game or need to finish the season for scholarship reasons. You know, so there's a lot of, um, issues with that. Uh, you know, the nuances of who plays, you know, again, sometimes, uh, at, at those levels, I mean, uh, this is a starter. He or she has to go. Right. We have to figure out a way to get them there. Or, well, next week's opponent isn't too bad. The backup can do the trick. Uh, you know, we'll leave them. Uh, we'll we'll let, give them another week's rest, and then we'll reevaluate. So you have those opportunities. Um, I think another big one is, um, you know, at those levels, some of those athletes, you, you evaluate them and you see them, and, and it's like, holy cow, you are an elite athlete, but you can't do some fundamental basic movements. Um Right. Do you correct those issues? You know, sometimes they're able to overcome. Athletes are great compensators, as you well know, Nate. Um, but, you know, sometimes those asymmetries and sometimes those things that are normally would be considered adverse are really what, from playing their sport, is what made them great. So sure. uh, should you tinker with those things? Um, I think sometimes, too, with, with elite athletes is, is just humility from our perspective as strength coaches, as physical therapists, as athletic, as athletic trainers that – you know, they got to the, that point without us. They got there on talent and hard work, and sometimes the best thing to do is to stay out of the way and just put them in the best position to succeed in the sport they're in. Uh, and then I would say probably the last one is, is really just the the extra stuff that we hate to deal with, things like the politics uh, with coaches and uh, the business side of sports, um, you know, the various handlers. You know, typically the higher level these athletes go, um, they have more people that are in their ear, right. and those people, those athletes trust those people, but sometimes those people are giving these athletes horrendous information. So um, it, it's really kind of navigating those waters and having those discussions uh, that you normally wouldn't have to have with necessarily a, a high school kid or even a, a college kid playing, you know, at a community college or a Division three program, you know, where there's not money and those kind of things on the line as much. So... Yeah, there's a lot of nuances with dealing athletes in the collegiate and pro ranks, but I think those, for me, have always been the, uh, the the main the main drivers of the what makes it challenging. Right. You kind of touched on a little bit about you know athletes being kind of pushed back into the sport when they're not physically ready, mentally ready, or whatnot. And you know, I've always talked about uh, that gap that's between release from physical therapy or or what whatnot until where they're actually competition ready. I know you recently published a uh, return to sprinting progression. What kind of can you can you kind of explain the gap that I'm talking about between the release physical therapy and the 100% go uh, to our listeners, and, and why is it so important? Boy, Nate, that's a great question, and I I could I could talk about this for hours. You know, I, I speak all over the country to other therapists and strength coaches and athletic trainers about this very topic. It's something I feel like I understand really well, and that I really enjoy talking about. And, and it, it is it's a massive gap. Uh, in our in our uh, in our in, in our field, you know, um, when you when you go through rehab, 
you know, whether it's an ACL or a Tommy John or you broke a leg, you know, the therapists typically are, are getting your motion back, getting baseline levels of strength back, you know, really dealing with the, the things that are limiting you from getting back to the weight room or back to the field. But the problem is, is that, you know, when you do go, quote unquote, back to sport, there is a transition period of you got to get back in shape. Um, you know, when you work out uh, at any clinic anywhere, you know, they're having you run back and forth or cut or shuffle or things like that. Well, it's not at game speed. It's not the cognitive or brain demand of the game. You know, you got coaches yelling at you. You got other athletes. You have to react to stimuli. You know, so the, the rehab environment is very controlled, very predictable. You're told to run here, run there. You know, I know sometimes we could do some drills and things like that to, you know, quote, unquote, you know, mimic a sport. But the right. only way to to do a sport is to get back in the context of that sport. So, right. you know, for example, um, you know, athletes will go through an ACL and or an ACL rehab. And, you know, sometimes they're told, well, it's six months or seven months or eight months. Well, you know, you have to meet certain criteria first, but then you need a time frame to get back in game shape. And, and there is a period of time to do that. You can't just go from literally doing not much for six, seven, eight, nine months and then back to full game speed for two halves or nine innings or, or four quarters. Um, sure. You've got to get a full week of practice in. You've got to get, um, you know, maybe even a, a first quarter and then a first half and then, again, build into the, uh, the comfort level playing again. You know, and, and truthfully, Nate, too, like take any sport, I can't dive at your knees if you're a running back with me in the clinic to get to mock getting tackled. You just have you just. I'd have love to, to see you try. That'd be kind of funny, though. Oh my gosh, the, li- the liability, and I'd probably end up more hurt anyway, man. Holy cow! But I mean, it, it is. There is a time frame there that we just can't reproduce in a rehab setting. You have to get back out on the field, on the court, uh, or what have you, to to um, to do your sport. So. Athletes really need to understand that it is critical that they follow those progressions, follow those steps, and that it's there for a reason. And um, it's there to protect them. You know, for, like I said, I mentioned ACLs. Thirty percent, uh, the data shows, yeah, re-tear within two years. I mean, those numbers are wow. awful. So, um, so many of these kids that have these scholarship opportunities and things like that. I mean, you're really at risk to miss another year if you re-tear. Sure. So, sure. you know, as the, as the cliche goes. You know, trust your people that you work with. Trust the process. Work through it, and you know you'll get you'll get back eventually. Right. When you, we could spend hours, you know, talking about that topic. You and I have talked about that numerous times, and I've really enjoyed picking your brain about you know when we get some of these kids that are coming from physical therapy. What's the next step? What should we not do? What should we do? What should we look for? Because um, a lot of times they are timid. They're afraid to do certain things, and the worst thing you can do is throw them headfirst into the game, and all of a sudden then they come back to where they were before. And mentally, physically. It's just, you know, it, it, it's crazy. And so uh, I've really appreciated the relationship you and I have built through the years and how you've helped us in our program by lending your knowledge on, you know, what to do with those gap kids. So uh, thank you. Thank you for that. So, Well, likewise, Nate. I mean, you, you, um, you know, in, in the strength conditioning field, as you know, there's not a whole lot of humility. Um, right. So uh, right. it, it, it's, um, I've always appreciated that you've, uh, you, you care, you put your athletes first and you've reached out when, you had questions and, um, you know, you, you knew your limitations. And I think uh, for anybody listening, it's, it's always good to surround yourself with, with people that you can trust and that can, can make you better. And, um, you know, you've always made it not about you. It's about your kids, which I always really respect about you. 
pre- them. I appreciate that. So you've been a business owner, uh, National Strength Conditioning Association Rehabilitation Specialist. That's a mouthful of the year. Uh, you're a nationally acclaimed speaker and a diehard fan of all Chicago sports. What's next for you, man? <laughs> you know, man, um, I, I've been so blessed with the life experiences I've had. You know, I spent my my 20s kind of and early 30s with, you know, kind of very tunnel vision, you know, radar lock on, on what I wanted to do and what my goals were. And, you know, I've, I've been able to accomplish a lot, which I've been really grateful for. Um, you know, I, I, I really stopped looking ahead a long time ago. I think, you know, the, 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 the phrase goes, uh, you know, today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. Um, you know, I'm a dad. Uh, I'm a husband. Um, I, I'm just enjoying watching my kids grow up and be with them. Um, you know, currently I'm, I work at Lawrence Memorial Hospital in, in Lawrence. Uh, I'm helping kind of build a sports medicine program there. And, um, you know, we have this brand new, beautiful building that they're uh, constructing right now that's going to open in the fall. And, you know, we're going to have a massive facility with uh, turf, batting cages, a basketball court, you know, all, wow. the, all the toys that right. I've never really had before, um, which is, um, it's, it's really exciting. And, and we already work with the, 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 the schools and things. So um, that, that's what I'm currently working on. Um, I do teach on the side a lot to other professionals around the country. I have a, um, a continuing education, uh, I guess you'd say business on the side, uh, where I, again, teach courses to athletic trainers, physical therapists, and strength coaches, uh, which I do enjoy doing that. Um, you know, maybe down the road, um, I could see myself, if given the opportunity, just doing some consulting. You know, I, I started out as a power lifter uh, back in seventh grade. So, you know, kind of having, no, I, and I've always been interested in the strength conditioning side, as you well know. Sure. And, you know, those three fields, athletic training, physical therapy, strength conditioning, I mean, that really is the athlete continuum from A to Z. Right. And I, I, I really have a good understanding of it, I think. And um, if I if I were given the chance to, you know, consult with, uh, you know, sports programs and, hey, how can we get, break down the walls between the training room, the rehab room, and, and the weight room to make everybody on one cohesive unit. I mean, those things are always, that's always really appealing to me. And I think, I think I would do, do well in those kinds of environments. So, you know, we'll, we'll see, but, um, that might be something down the road for me as, uh, uh, as more of an advanced, uh, professional. Sure. Well, that's something I, I see that is so needed. And that was kind of the reason when I first started PSP three, why I did it was I was so sick and tired of, the battle between the strength staff and the athletic training staff in the college and professional setting, I didn't understand why are we not on the same page. At the end of the, at the, end of the day, our goal is the athlete betterment. So, you know, why are we all bickering about who's smarter than who and whatnot here and there, rather than learning from each other and, and whatnot? So, I, I tip my hat to you on that one. That's that's part of my vision as well. So, but well, likewise, man. I mean, you 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 don't, you don't just talk to talk. You walk to walk. That's what you do. That's what you've always done. So that again, that just speaks to. You know the integrity of you and your staff there. We appreciate that. Our our staff loves the vision, and we'll keep pushing for that for the future. But I wanted to end our our, our inter- interview here with some fun, quick fire questions, and I didn't give these to you ahead of time because I wanted to see what you uh, <laughs> how your responses go. So right. <clears throat> here we go. Number one, which superhero would you be, and why? Which what? I'm sorry, I didn't hear. S- superhero. Oh, super! Oh, man, I grew up loving the Hulk, man. <laughs> like, I used to watch the old Hulk show with uh, Lou Ferrigno. I went as him for Halloween, I swear, like 10 times. Um, again, I just I wanted to be like sweet Lou back in the day, so I think no question I'd be the Hulk. I, I, I thought I saw you last year as the Hulk for uh, Halloween, didn't I? <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know if it's been, uh, actually it was, I don't know, three, four years ago. So <laughs> I can always go back to that well. I can always go back to that well whenever I want, Nate. Good, good. All right, um, you're a Chicago guy, so best pizza in Chicago. Oh, holy moly. Um, gosh, where does one begin? Even even the bad pizza is best, better than <laughs> most pizzas in most cities. Um, uh, I would say Gino's uh, is really good, uh, even though it's, uh, and, and Giordano's, even though it's more franchised and kind of everywhere, man, that's, that deep dish is so good. Uh, there was one place, I'm not sure if it's still around, but it was called Enrico's. Uh, I think it was in Frankfurt, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that was fantastic pizza as well. But locally, locally, it, it's a franchise place. But um, the Pizza Man in, uh, on 103rd and Fulham is awesome. Okay. Sorry for the uh, shameless plug there. Uh, and then also uh, Rosati's is a Chicago-based place um, that's also got some uh, awesome pizza if you just want some takeout here locally in Kansas City. Sure, I've had Rosati's. I've never had the Pizza Man, and as a pizza connoisseur, I have to try that now. So, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next <laughs> next one. Best '80s action movie. Best '80s action movie. Yes. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> holy moly! Um, that is gonna be tough. You have to. I mean, there's so many uh, franchises back then. You know, so the. Right. You know the uh, the diehards are always a always a classic. Um, you know the the Rambo's are a classic. Uh, Terminators, I, you can't go wrong with any of those. Uh, I have to say any of those are, are 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 well worth your time. Now you're a boxing guy too, but what about Rocky? Oh, of course. I <laughs> I don't know if you consider that action. So yeah, no, yeah. It's it's uh, you, as an American, you have to uh, watch the Rockies. Um, the Rocky Four training montage. If that doesn't inspire you to work out, I'm not quite sure anything can because uh, his, his workout montage in that movie is second to none. And anybody that's seen it knows what I'm talking about. So. Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> Last question for you: Who would win in a fight? A fight? Excuse me, a fight? A hurricane or Mike Ditka? <laughs> well, the, hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the hurricane is, is Mike, Hurricane Ditka. Is Mike Ditka? Yeah, <laughs> classic Saturday Night Live uh, skit there. Those guys were awesome. You know, you know who would win, Ditka versus God? Well, Ditka is God, right? So, I mean, right. Yeah, that's that's the answer. Ditka is God, right? <laughs> well, Dan, thanks for joining us today. I hope our listeners really enjoy your talk. I know I did, uh, and I look forward to t- talking shop with you again anytime. Nate, it was fun. Thanks so much for asking me, and I uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. And I hope everybody enjoyed what I had to say today. Thanks, Dan.